Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Forward Frogger's Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're kicking off the AFC West, the last division in our whole um, Who Are They series, starting things off with the Denver Broncos. Let's get on into it. All right, so in case you're new here, what we do is we go over each team position by position, just giving a general breakdown overview of the whole roster, and then I talk about what I think the floor and ceiling of the team is, um, everything that can really go wrong, everything that can go right in the season. Uh, talk about the Vegas over-under, whether or not I think the over or the under there is more likely. And then the biggest strength and weakness of the roster. At the end of this whole series, which is just almost done two more weeks and then kickoff time for NFL, um, I'm going to be doing a whole season prediction where I'll give my official win totals for each team, as well as a um, playoff prediction and a season's award prediction. So if you want to stick around for that, hit the subscribe button. But without any further ado, let's get on into today's team, the Denver Broncos. All right, so kicking things off with quarterbacks, as always, we got Russell Wilson, Josh Johnson, and Brett Ripien. So for years, we've been saying that the Broncos are just a quarterback away, and they finally went out to solve that problem. Russell Wilson is a future Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's had a weird past couple of seasons, starting off scorching hot but tapering off towards the end of each year. Last year, he got injured in Week 5 after throwing 10 touchdowns and 1 interception through those first 4.5-ish games. But when he got back, he didn't look the same. Still having a couple good games in there, but not being that same electric player. He loves to target outside receivers, hardly hitting the middle of the field. But the Broncos do have more depth at receivers than Seattle did. So maybe more viable options will help him unlock that like different aspect of the game here, also in a new offense. Josh Johnson was picked in the fifth round in 2008, and he's bounced all around the league and multiple other leagues. He's a stereotypical journeyman backup quarterback. Not ever good enough to be a starter, but just good enough to keep a backup or third string job. And then Ripien is a toolsy quarterback who went undrafted in 2019, not showing much so far, having one start in 2020, but not playing well in it. So for running backs, they have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Mike Boone, Devine Ozigbo, Jaquan Hardy, and fullback Andrew Beck. Javante Williams had a great rookie season while splitting carries with Melvin Gordon finishing with 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns total through ground and air. This year, he should see even more touches despite Gordon still resigning, because Williams, he showed this absurd ability to break tackles as a rookie. He has home run speed and is a good receiving option out of the backfield. The Broncos are smart to keep him healthy by splitting his carries, but he has shown all the skills as a rookie to be one of the top backs in this league. Melvin Gordon has had to deal with some injuries during his career, but when he is healthy, he's been effective. He totaled 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. He's shown to have a good nose for the end zone, especially in short yardage situations. But honestly, I wouldn't be too surprised to see more of those carries go to Williams now, who is five pounds heavier than Gordon, despite being a good three inches shorter. Ozigbo went undrafted in 2019, hardly seeing the field so far. Hardy went undrafted last year and saw some snaps, but only in the final two weeks. And then Beck is a blocking fullback slash tight end who went undrafted in 2019. He hasn't caught a pass since his rookie year, so I wonder if they're going to try to use him in like that H-back role that these um, Shanahan West Coach type offensives do like a lot, or if they're going to need to find someone else for that role and he's just going to be the blocking specialist still. So for wide receivers, they have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tyree Cleveland, Kendall Hinton, Montreal Washington, Seth Williams, Darius Shepard, Brandon Johnson, and Jalen Virgil. 
Sutton was drafted in the second round in 2018 and established himself as a true number one in just his second season. He tore his ACL in 2020 and didn't have the best campaign last year, whether that was from recovering or the just poor quarterback play. He's big, uh, 6'3", 220, but he's still able to be a great route runner at that size, and he only had one drop on 95 targets last year and three in 2019. Now, paired with Russell Wilson, I would be surprised if he didn't have a career year and look like a top receiver once again. Judy was drafted in the first round in 2020 and came into the league instantly as one of the best draft runners. However, he has struggled with catching the ball already, having 14 drops and three fumbles in these first two seasons. He also spent most of his time in the slot last year, which could be a problem with how I was talking about earlier with Wilson liking to target his outside receivers more. I still think he's going to see some time in the slot, but I definitely expect his split to be more like the rookie ratio, where it was like 2-1 to one, uh, outside versus the slot. And then Hamler is a speedy 5-9 receiver taken into the second round in 2020, who has shown some flashes so far, but missed time in both seasons, injuring his hamstring as a rookie and tearing his ACL last year. He split time both out wide and in the slot, as he can be a great deep threat or use his speed well over the middle. I do hope that this team does split Hamler and Judy in the slot as we just haven't seen that aspect of Wilson's game hitting them out of the middle and I do want to see both Judy and Hamler get significant targets as they're incredible talents that this team would be dumb not to take advantage of. Also, I just want to say real quick, obviously Tim Patrick should have been one of these starters if it weren't for his injury and in that case, I do believe Judy would have played a lot more in the slot. So Hamler and Patrick are completely different as receivers, as one's like a big body contestant catch guy, Hamler's that speedy short guy, but maybe they still just want to keep Judy in that slot role and they'll just put Hamler on the outside, we'll have to see. Cleveland was taken in the 7th round in 2020 and is that big body receiver, but he hasn't really done anything so far. Hinton went undrafted in 2020 and most notably so far has been the emergency quarterback when everyone got COVID, but he really started to come on as a viable slot option at the end of last year. He'll only run a few routes a game this year again if everyone can't stay healthy, but they honestly might have something kind of nice here with him. Washington was picked in the fifth round this year out of Samford. Williams was picked in the sixth round last year, but hardly played as a big-bodied speed threat. Shepard went undrafted in 2019, but has hardly played yet, and Johnson and Virgil are both UDFAs from this class. All right, and for tight ends, they have Albert Okwegbunam, Greg Dolchich, Eric Tomlinson, Eric Saubert, and Dylan Parham. Alberto is a big, fast tight end drafted in the fourth round in 2020. He had a decent year last year as a tight end too, putting up 300 yards and two touchdowns. With the trading of Fant, he'll be stepping into a full-time role, and I think he definitely has the physical ability to do so. He just needs to prove that he can do more with more opportunity. Dolchich was taken in the third round this year out of UCLA as a receiving tight end. He's likely going to start up as the backup, but definitely showed tight end one upside if he can get a bit bigger and better as a full-time blocker. Tomlinson went undrafted in 2015, but I stuck around, bouncing around team to team as a blocking tight end. Uh, Sauber was taken in the fifth round in 2017, having a couple catches a year, but mostly being a blocker. And Parham is a UDFA from this class. So along their offensive line, they have Garrett Bowles, Dalton Risner, Lloyd Cushenberry III, Quinn Miners, and Billy Turner as the starters, with Cameron Fleming, Zach Johnson, Calvin Anderson, Quinn Bailey, and Sebastian Gutierrez backing up at tackles. Graham Glasgow, Natane Muti, and Michael Nice backing up at guard, and Luke Wattenberger backing up at center. 
Bowles got off to a so-so start to his career as an older rookie taken in the first round in 2017. In 2020, though, he was able to clear up his high number of penalties while also drastically lowering his pressure allowed at the same time. He gave up a bit more pressures again last year, but he still played great and is a well above average left tackle. Fleming was taken in the fourth round in 2014, and I've seen a couple hundred snaps a year filling in for injuries as a swing tackle, but not being amazing, but still like holding his own. Johnson went undrafted in 2020, but he hasn't played yet. Risner was taken in the second round in 2019 and has started since his rookie year. Not really showing too much development since then, but he's been like a steady starting guard, bet against the pass then as a run blocker. Glasgow was an ascending young player with guard center flexibility for the Lions after being taken in the third round in 2016. He signed with the Broncos in 2020 where he's been good, but not as quite as good as before. And he missed some time with COVID and injuries, giving way to some other young players to take the starting job. He's still a good player though, and he probably would start in most teams in this league. So I'm still like wondering, are they going to trade him, try to get some assets out of him, or are they just going to hold on to him because this is the NFL, someone inevitably will get hurt. Cushenberry was taken in the third round in 2020, and he looked like a turnstile as a rookie. But he took some nice steps forwards last year, and hopefully this development can continue and he can be a quality starting center for this team. Wadenberger was taken in the fifth round this year out of Washington. Miners was taken in the third round last year out of Wisconsin Whitewater and started games when Glasgow went down. Despite the heavy jump in competition, Miners still looked great, especially as a powerful run blocker, but he also showed some promise of being a pretty good pass protector too, earning him the starting nod this year over the highly played Glasgow. Moody was taken in the sixth round in 2020, making some appearances, but so far only showing like backup level play. And Nice is a UDFA from this class. Turner was picked in the third round in 2014 by the Dolphins, but got waived during his third year. By 2018, he earned the Denver starting gig and then went to Green Bay where he started but was often injured. When he does get out there, he provides some um, league average caliber play, but he's almost 31 years old and has an extensive injury history. Anderson went undrafted in 2019 and played well filling in for injuries last year. Bailey went undrafted in 2019, but has hardly played yet, and Gutierrez is a UDFA from this class. So along their interior defensive line, they have DJ Jones, Draymond Jones, Deshaun Williams, Mike Purcell, McTelvin Agim, Ioma Uwazurike, Matt Henningsen, and Jonathan Harris. DJ Jones was taken in the sixth round in 2017 by the Niners, where he's been a good big-bodied run-stuffing nose tackle, using his short six-foot frame to get good leverage on linemen, but still having great strength at 320 pounds. Draymond Jones is an undersized 3-5 to tech who's been ascending since being taken in the third round in 2019. He's a solid pass rusher from the middle, and if everyone can stay healthy around him too, he could have a pretty good year with all the help around him. Williams went undrafted in 2015 and saw some actions with the Bengals in 2016, but then bounced around practice squads in the CFL until joining the Broncos in 2020. He's seen a couple hundred snaps this season, but hasn't been an effective pass rusher or run stuffer despite seeing the field a good amount. Brissell went undrafted in 2013 and has been the Broncos' nose tackle since 2019, but has been declining so they clearly sought to upgrade upon him with DJ Jones. Agam was picked in the third round in 2020, but has hardly seen the field yet, being an all-right as a pass rusher, but pretty terrible against the run. Awuzurike was taken in the fourth round this year out of Iowa State. 
Henningsen was taken in the sixth round this year out of Wisconsin, and Harris won undrafted in 2019, but has hardly seen the field yet. So for edge defenders, they have Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed, Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, Aaron Patrick, Baron Browning, and Jonathan Kongbo. Gregory has been a pretty great pass rusher, well worth the five years, eight million he got this offseason when he is on the field. But his problem has been availability. He missed many games early in his career for being suspended for marijuana, but that's not a problem anymore with the NFL no longer punishing for weed. However, last year, he also dealt with injuries, playing in 11 games plus week 18, but he hardly played in that one. Um, He's not a good run defender, so he mostly saw passing downs, and he did have a nice season, though, with 43 pressures and 6 sacks, despite the limited action. Chubb has had two mostly healthy seasons since being taken 5th overall in 2018. When he has been out there, he's been pretty great, having 57 pressures and 13 sacks as a rookie, and then 57 pressures and 8 sacks in his third year. If he can stay healthy, he can be a great number 2 here, maybe even a potential number 1, but he needs to stay on the field and take that next step. I wouldn't be surprised if we also saw Chubb hardly play early downs just to keep him a bit healthier, but he has been good against the run when he does get out there. Reed went undrafted in 2019 and showed to be a quality pass rusher as a rookie, compiling 20 pressures and 3 sacks on a bit over 200 pass rushes. He's not the type of guy to like take over a game, but he'll get a couple pressures a game as a rotational piece. Bonito was an elite speed rusher at Oklahoma, getting drafted at the end of the second round this year. He needs to add an element of power to his game so tackles can't just get wide against him, and he wasn't much of a force against the run, so he'll likely only see pass rushing down early, but he does have some immense upside and could give the team a reason to move on from the oft-injured Chubb. Cooper was taken in the seventh round and showed a lot of nice flashes as a situational pass rusher, having 23 pressures and three sacks as a rookie. Patrick went undrafted in 2020, hardly playing much so far. Uh, Browning, he was taken in the third round last year and showed some promise as a middle linebacker, but he's moving up to edge this year. So I wonder if he's going to play that like hybrid role, be a true edge, what's going on there. Got to kind of like wait and see. And then Jonathan Kongbo went undrafted in 2020, but hasn't played yet. For linebackers, they have Josie Jewell, Jonas Griffith, Justin Stranad, Alex Singleton, Barrington Wade, and Kanai Mauga. Jewell's a solid middle linebacker. Good in both coverage and against the run, but not like incredible. He's a good, not great athlete, but a smart player to make up for it and should be a starter once again, despite coming off an injury. Griffith went undrafted in 2020 and started the last couple of games for Broncos. He's athletic despite being 6'4", 240, and he'll have a chance to start the whole year this year and show that those last few weeks weren't just a fluke. Schnad was taken in the fifth round in 2020 and started once Jewel went out for the year. He played pretty poorly when out there and then missed some time with COVID and got benched. Singleton went undrafted in 2015 and started seeing significant snaps these past two seasons for the Eagles. He's a subpar athlete who's good in run defense, but not the best in coverage. Wade went undrafted last year, but didn't play, and Mauga went undrafted this year. So for cornerbacks, they have Patrick Sertain II, Ronald Darby, Quan Williams, Michael Ojemudia, Isang Basie, Damari Mathis, Fayon Hicks, Bleswan Austin, Donnie Lewis, and Jaquan McMillan. Sertain had an incredible rookie season and is on a fast track to be one of the top corners in the whole league. He's an incredible athlete who also has amazing loud recognition for such a young player. And despite the firing of Fangio, he should be running a similar defensive system here 
as uh, the new defensive coordinator, Evero, is coming from the Rams, where they did run like that Fangio-style defense. Darby was picked in the second round in 2015, and he's been a solid number two, number three type corner everywhere he's been. He gets beat a couple times a game, but he's a good athletic corner. But someone Denver definitely like, is like fine with the number two, but someone you're looking to upgrade upon, you know? Williams went undrafted in 2014 and developed into a pretty underrated slot corner these past couple years with San Francisco. He's only 5'9", but he's good in space as like a zone coverage defender and is solid against the run despite his stature. Ojemudia was taken in the third round in 2020 and started many games as a rookie, but he looked like a third round rookie out there, you know? He only started week 18 last year against the Chiefs backups and he played pretty alright there, but they definitely hope that they can get a bit more out of him the next time he's out there. Basie went undrafted in 2020 and he played a couple hundred snaps out of the slot where he did play pretty poorly and then he hardly played at all last year with the Chargers. Mathis was taken in the fourth round this year out of Pitt. Hicks was taken in the seventh round this year out of Wisconsin. Austin was taken in the sixth round in 2019 and started his second season with the Jets before being waived and spending last year with the Seahawks. Lewis was taken in the seventh round in 2019 by the Browns but hasn't played yet. And McMillan is a UDFA from this class. So for safeties, they have Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Caden Stearns, PJ Locke, Delarion Turner-Yell, and J.R. Reed. Simmons was taken in the third round in 2016, but didn't become the amazing safety we know until Fangio took over in 2019. The former slot corner excelled in the split safety type of defense, able to match receivers deep. And when he, he does need to, he's a sure tackler in run defense. Jackson was picked in the first round in 2010 and was a solid corner for the Texans before kicking inside to the slot. And then when he got to the Broncos a couple years ago, he moved backwards to safety. And similarly to Simmons, he was able to thrive with his corner background. However, he is getting older and last year definitely looked like he lost a step. And I was kind of surprised to see the Broncos bring him back. And I wouldn't be surprised if he lost his job to one of these younger talents by the end of the season. Stearns was taken in the fifth round last year and was this team's third safety. He's a great athlete with some solid upside here and played a lot of slot in college, which is something that this defense clearly values in its safeties. If he can improve in his one-on-one -on -one coverage, then he should be a starter here sooner rather than later. Locke went undrafted in 2019, but has hardly played so far. Turner Yell was taken in the fifth round this year out of Oklahoma, and Reed went undrafted in 2020 and saw some action in two games last year with the Giants midseason. So for special teams, they have Brandon McManus at kicker, Sam Martin and Corliss Waitman battling it out at punter, and Jacob Bobbin Moyer at long snapper. McManus has been a solid kicker for the Broncos. Nothing too crazy, but he's hit over 80% of his tries since joining the team back in 2014. Martin was taken in the fifth round in 2013 by the Lions and stayed there until joining the Broncos in 2020, but they also have Waitman here to compete who won undrafted in 2020. And Bob and Moyer has been the long snapper over the past two seasons. All right, so now it's time to get into my whole season projection, talk about the floor and the ceiling of this team, what can go wrong, what can go right, uh, their Vegas over or under, whether or not I think they will hit that over or under, and then the biggest strength and weakness of this entire roster. Um, so I'm putting the floor of this team at 6-11, and 11, and I think this is a more talented team than a 6-win team, but we'll talk a bit more about, like, when I get to the over-under about just how tough the schedule is. And there are, there's this division is absolutely loaded. Like if you've been following the NFL at all, you know how tough it is. They also have to play the NFC West. So there's just going to be 
all of these teams have a chance to just absolutely flop just because not based off of the fact that they aren't talented teams, but the fact that they have to play the top of the top almost every single week. So six wins would be, definitely be a surprising outcome for what happens. But I mean, there is a chance that Russell Wilson just doesn't look elite anymore. Or if he does, it's like he has those first couple games that he has every year and then falls off. Williams, he could look just like good, not great, you know, show a bit of regression there. And Gordon looks older out of there. Um, Sutton can't recapture that 2019 magic again. And Judy struggles with drops, getting open, stuff like that. And Hamler can't produce with that increased role. Alberto, he doesn't look like that true tight end one. And this offensive line is just like average across the board, maybe even a bit below average, you know, like somewhere in that like 16 to 20 range. Um this interior D line, they they should be pretty good against the run. I don't see any way that they aren't, but unless barring injuries, of course, but they could struggle to get things going in the pass rush. And then Gregory and Chubb could both struggle to stay healthy and on the field. And then when they do get out there, there's a chance that they do just look like number twos at best. None of them, neither of them have shown that alpha ability. And then the rest of the young talent not really stepping up yet. Jewel is just like an average linebacker, but Griffith or whoever plays opposite of him um, is just like well below average. Sertain hits some of that negative regression in quarterback play as that always is fluctuating every year. And Darby definitely is losing a step out there, getting a bit older. Simmons looks worse without Fangio and Jackson looks even older out there. But as I said, this team is incredibly talented. This is one of the best well-constructed rosters in the league. And... A lot of these games are like they're in positions to win them. They can have go 12 and 5. And in a tough AFC, I could definitely see this team being the one seed. It's just, is that going to happen? That's the question. But a 12 and 5 season is nowhere out of like the realms of possibility. You know, Wilson could be that quarterback Denver's been waiting for, and he's able to maintain that elite play all the way throughout the season. Williams plays like a top five back and Gordon is there to keep him healthy and still do some damage. Sutton returns to his 2019 form and Judy begins to look like that dominant receiver that he was at Alabama while Hamler excels at wide receiver three. Alberto is able to produce when he's given those extra looks too. Bowles looks elite again and the other young guys on the line progress and Turner is able to stay healthy which would be a huge plus for this team. This interior defensive line group plays fine, but they definitely look a lot better due to this extremely deep edge rush group that constantly is rotating in and being disruptive. These linebackers are fine, not amazing, but not a liability for sure, whereas they definitely can be. Um, Sertain, he looks even better in U2, entering the top five cornerback convo, and Darby holds up on his end. Simmons looks great out there still, and Jackson plays better with the ball being forced out quicker by this pass rush. Okay, now it's time to talk about this over-under, which is set at 10.5 wins. And not every team in this division is going to be able to hit the over, sadly. And I think the Broncos are just kind of set up for some disappointment with such a talented, talented team. But a tough schedule, a new head coach, a new quarterback. Um, these weapons definitely, I think, took a step back from last year with no fan, no Tim Patrick. Their pass rush should be good if healthy, but that is a big if, I think. And this defense didn't really look like themselves this last year. So without Fangio, is it suddenly going to get better? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, you also have Nathaniel Hackett, who was amazing in Green Bay. Like that offense was clicking on all cylinders, but he wasn't the one calling the plays. So this will be his first year as a true play caller. Um, and... 
who knows, maybe maybe everything that can go right, they're going to hit that 12-win ceiling. That definitely is in the range of possibilities. But as I said, not everyone can succeed here, and the Broncos might be the ones getting the shorter end of the stick this year. So I'll definitely wouldn't bet against them. Um, I think it's more likely that they would go under than over in this situation. And then the biggest strength of this roster I'm putting is Russell Wilson. I mean, it has to be Russ. Honestly, if Tim Patrick were still here, um, well, like he's here, but, you know, if he weren't injured, I'd say the weapons because they do have five guys I really like, plus Williams out of the backfield. But all these weapons currently do have question marks. They're either coming off down years or just unproven. If Russ can be dangerous for the whole season, then this team could be Super Bowl bound and he might go down as like one of the biggest trade acquisitions ever. And then the biggest weakness I'm putting as linebackers. This was one of the hardest, biggest weaknesses to choose as they have like a lot of unproven talent across the board. Like there's a lot of, you can see where everything can go, right? So I'm like, oh, like I can't call that a weakness because what if it is good? Like, like Russ is coming into a new place. That's a question mark, but I mean, it's, it's Russ. Um, these weapons, I just talked about so many question marks there, but I think they definitely can do well. This defensive line, I think should be good, but there's the question of health with their top two guys. And then the, are they going to be like elite or they're just going to be like good. But if I think they're going to be good, that's obviously not a weakness. Uh, I like their secondary too, but I can see how things can go wrong there with like negative re regression from certain as going from year one to year two. And then Darby, like he's on Darby, you know, he could just look bad one season and the safeties definitely, I could see taking a step back without that Fangio leadership. But as I just said, like everything, like I can see them all going wrong there. I could see all of these position groups being great, like towards the top of the league, except linebacker, which I think at best they're going to be like the 16th to 20th range. Like I, I don't know. I, I just don't really see it with these linebackers. They're not really the best athletes. They're not the biggest, the strongest. Um, and yeah, I don't like putting linebacker as the biggest weakness as it is the least important defensive position. But this roster is just so well constructed that, you know, like you got to do what you got to do. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Let me know what you guys think. Leave a comment below. Do you think this team is uh, Russell Wilson's going to help turn it around and lead this team to the Super Bowl? Or are they bound to be the nine and seven or nine and eight team in this division that just misses out in the playoffs because it's such a tough division. Um, if you're on YouTube, leave a like, comment, subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you might be listening to this, leave a five-star review, help push it out there. And yeah, I'll see you guys all next time.